Hey. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Hey. It's the What If Podcast. Welcome. Hi. We you missed you badly. How you doing, bud? I'm pretty good. Sick. I'm sunburned. Ooh. Get some. How was the, the land of sun? The West Coast treated me kindly. Excellent. Is this your first time back since you lived out there and hated it and it, then moved back? It is. It is my first time back since I lived out there and hated it. And your thoughts five years later or whatever it's been? Um, It's been like, it's been like seven now. Seven years seven, later, your thoughts? Yeah, seven or eight. Um, I mean, Los Angeles, hey, all right, listen, guys. We I, love you. I will. I will accept no LA slander on this podcast. We love by the you. Way. We're gonna. Your microphone's about to get real quiet. We're gonna come to a show eventually. <laughs> there, I'm not throwing shade at any of y'all. Sounds like you're about to though. No, LA is one of those towns. It's just, it's a real beast, man. And well, what you mean by that? Just like doing anything in LA is not super easy. Yeah, there is an additional significant layer of complication in doing like pretty much everything in that you're just talking about driving places or it's what? expensive everything's oh. far away there's traffic in between everywhere you want to go sure like it's you know so like all that stuff is still there and there's still the elements of it that is like you know the the hero worship like opulence stuff that i kind of like was slightly turned off on by that when i lived out there don't but know then, what that word means but i'm gonna go with it I'm a nod like I understood what you just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Opulence, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I hate that shit too. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> no. like the, um, it's another way to say it. The sort of like putting all the money on a pedestal and all the cars on oh, a pedestal right, right, right. and all the, you know, all that stuff. Well, I mean, but then a lot also, of people move out there chasing that shit. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. But also, like, we rented a convertible and, like, drove around in a convertible, and it was fucking awesome. It was awesome. I love that that's, the, that's what you're leading with. What'd you do? We rented a convertible and drove around, and it was awesome. I mean, we no, did that's, a, no, that's perfect. We did a lot more than that. Nah, but I'm I just saying. I don't hear about the rest of it. I'm just going to assume <laughs> that's what you did for, like, five days. Do you know what I mean, though? I mean, like, like you know, you could look at that opulence and be like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, then you, you can stop also... stop using that word if you want me to track what you're saying. <laughs> but then also driving around in a convertible in this, like, beautiful and slightly bougie town is also very awesome. Yeah. 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 It's like 70 and sunny every day, and there's a bunch of shit that you can literally only do in that place. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I was, that's what I was trying to get at was, like, L.A. for me is and will forever be a two-sided coin, uh borderline 50-50 down the middle. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at that town. Fair enough. It was talk? good. It was good to get tight, away. Tight, tight, yeah. tight. Uh, you want to talk about some weird shit? Speaking of palm trees. On the other coast? Dun, 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 dun. Let's go to Florida on the other okay. side. Okay. The let's, other side of actually, palm trees. Let's, let's not ever physically go to Florida. Shots fired. I, we will talk plenty of shit about Florida on this podcast. <laughs> We will tolerate all the Florida slander on the... Hey, if you listen to the paid episode this week, patreon.com slash whatifpodcast, we're going to talk about Florida, like, a lot. California. <laughs> I got an amazing Florida story. California, where, like, literally the majority of our listeners are? No. Florida, where we got, like, a dozen? Yeah, we'll talk shit about we'll you guys. <laughs> Look, you Also, got- you, if you live there, you know, right? Yeah, you-, you, you have to know that Florida is a weird state. You have to. That's being generous, but yes. I mean... Yes, but I, I mean weird in the way of 
to me, Florida is weird because of all of the different things that are in Florida. Also, I'm just to be clear, I'm once again talking entirely out of my ass. I haven't been to Florida in mm. like at least 20 years. <laughs> oh, I've been multiple times. So for I'm trying to avoid the uh, the Phoenix emails that we got barraged <laughs> with a couple weeks ago. It's probably nice, and I don't actually know what I'm hey, talking about. Arizona is tight. Fuck you. <laughs> Fair. Fair. You know what? As someone who's never been to Phoenix, you're probably right. It's it's probably great. Um, no, but Florida, the time period we're going to talk about Florida in uh, is, is a little different than the time period of now. Yes. There was no Disney in Florida in the time period that we're going to be talking about Florida. No. Uh, not like not like Disney parks or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, I suppose not. We're talking about the Coral Castle. Yeah, man. Built by the one and only Edward Leedskillen. Or as uh, I watched, I went back and watched the um, In Search Of episode. Do you know that show? What's In Search Of? Oh, it, is that it was like the, the Leonard Nimoy one? Yeah. Yeah, that kind was of great. The, the original like weird shit uh, precursor to like Unsolved Mysteries and a lot of that stuff. Sick. In Search Of A Castle Made Of Coral. Dude. Nimoy led by calling him, quote, Edward Leedskillen, a frail little hermit, <laughs> and referred to him every time he mentioned him as either like the little man or the small man or the frail Edward every single time. I think, well, so we should probably, we should probably give people some context before we start talking about that frail little man. Hermit. Hermit. Frail, frail little, little hermit. hermit. <laughs> Damn, shots fired, Leonard right? Nimoy. So- who who was Ed Leedskallen? Ed Leedskallen was uh, a Latvian immigrant to the United States. He was born in 1887. Damn, that boy old. That boy old. Uh, well, he's not still that, with us. That boy dead. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how that oh. entirely works. Um, we don't know a ton about his child childhood in Latvia. Uh, we just know that he didn't come from a family of of money. Uh, we know that he dropped out of school in fourth grade because he wasn't well, he was a sick kid. And so he was kept home and had like home tutelage. And that was pretty much kind of how he got his education. He started out early on the path to being a frail little hermit. Yes. <laughs> he was <laughs> <laughs> got a head start on his, on a hermit life. Hey man, if you know what, if you know what you're in this life for early on, you just go like, Hey, that's what I'm into being <laughs> Being frail get my reps. and small. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be frail and small and by myself. And I'm 13 and I might as well start now. Um, so one of the things, and this is relevant to our story, that we also know about uh, his childhood was he read a lot. So I think that's probably part of being out of school and doing your own sort of tutoring and, um, and all that. Uh, you read a lot. Also relevant. Learn. Relevant to the whole Coral Castle thing, his family were stonemasons. Yeah, so... He probably knew a little bit about quarrying, cutting, and carving stones and yeah. fitting them together. From what I could tell, both his grandfather and his father were masons. Yeah. And so he learned, again, relatively early on um, about that life and those tools and all those things. Also, before making it or landing in Florida... He lived in Canada for a while and worked as a lumberjack. Yeah, he was in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I had, I had Oregon, but maybe it was oh. Oh. 
may have been both. Yeah, Pacific Northwest in general. Um, so he may have also had some skills with uh, cutting and moving trees and working yes. with lumber and stuff. Yep. Um, one more fact about his childhood pre-Florida um, is that uh, Mr. Leed Skalin, Skalnin was uh, engaged to be married before he left Latvia. So he was... At age 26 to a 16-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. 26, sort of in 1913 in Latvia. I mean, I don't know how common that was. I'm not saying, uh, I, I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying I, I don't know that it was necessarily weird. Probably, fortunately, that marriage didn't happen. Yeah. And um, when it didn't is when he left Latvia. Yeah, so we don't entirely know why. We just know that uh, Agnes scuffs, 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 scuffs. Yeah, which, depending on where you look, may yes. have not been a real person or real name. Yes, which we'll get to because I find that in- that specific part interesting. Okay, I was going to skip it. <laughs> well, I, I was going to focus as little as possible on the marrying a teenager part of the story. No, I, I think I think there is an interesting element of it, which is the whole concept of whether or not she's real. Okay. Um, he, uh, for whatever reason, she broke off the engagement. The story goes the night before the wedding, and he pieced directly the fuck out of Latvia and said, I'm going to America. Yeah. And that's what he did. And uh, to your point, he traveled, excuse me, he traveled around, he landed in New York, he was in the Pacific Northwest slash Canada for a while, and then ended up finding himself in uh, Florida when the Northeast, East Coast in general started migrating south for warmer temperatures, and also when there was a bit of a land rush further south, um, a lot of sort of East coasters and immigrants who were like, Hey, New York is a little crazy and a little too busy. I want to go find a piece of land somewhere else. Traveled South and displaced the Seminole Indian tribes of Florida and started taking over plots of land. He claimed an especially shitty plot of land in terms of, uh, it's agricultural uses. Cause there was a layer of bedrock, like less than a foot below the soil. So he got roasted by the town. They were like, hey, man, you ain't growing shit. Right. And he was like, shh, I know. I want the rocks. Give me the- I need those. I'm about to grow rocks, <laughs> motherfucker. Watch me. Watch me. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the actual growing of rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, he decided that he was going to build a... Structure, series of structures, um, yeah, installation, uh, I mean, piece of art, Floridian Stonehenge, it, whatever yes, you want to call it. I'll say yes to all those things. Um, a, a residence, yes. Um, so this, this thing he built originally was in uh, Florida City, Florida, which is real creative, guys. <laughs> I love it. Um, we're talking like literally the southernmost city in the United States. Yep. So you're at the very southern tip of Florida. Yep. Um, and then eventually moved the whole thing about 10 miles north to its homestead, Florida. Yeah. It's like a 
at the time unincorporated, now incorporated part of uh, Dade County. It's like 25 miles south of Miami. Yeah. And I think originally Florida City was technically unincorporated too. Like neither okay. were real towns when he was there. Yeah. So he, what, he landed in the U.S. in 1913. And then, so we're talking like late teens, early 20s that this is going on. Yep. Um, so he, he moved this close well, to a thousand tons of rock. So, well, more eleven hundred tons. Okay. Uh, the the equivalent of three million pounds of rock, and it's not just any rock. It's actually uh, it's called oolite limestone. Yes. And oolite limestone is a specific type of rock. That is formed from the, um, I don't know what the word you would use. is basically like the compacting of coral and shells from over the course of tens and hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. So most of Florida at one point was underwater, which is why in the bedrock soil or just under the soil in the bedrock of vast chunks of Florida, there's these... Um, well, the bedrock itself is made of essentially what was once seafloor. So it's all dead shells and coral and shit that's just compacted and packed and compacted and packed over time until it's basically just become a version of rock. So it's still heavy. It's not like, it's not like, like you've picked up a piece of coral before, you know, like that shit's super light. It's still heavy, but it's actually pretty fragile because it's super porous because coral is super porous mm. and these shells are kind of chunked together and it's mixed with sand. So the actual, the actual rock itself is relatively brittle. Like if you, if you smack it with a hammer, it will break. Whereas like a chunk of granite, you can't just like beat with a hammer and have it break. Um, or I mean you can, but you know what I mean? Like if you just yeah. threw one swing at it, it wouldn't just shatter. Whereas with this stuff, it would. So, Edward quarried uh, more than a thousand tons of this limestone and uh, without the use of, as far as we know, and as far as he claims, without the use of any machinery, he was doing this by himself in an area that had no electricity. He had no uh, machines of any kind. He was doing this all with human powered one man powered materials. Uh, yes. I mean, that's a little. That cannot be confirmed. I'm saying that is that is what he and others have claimed. Well, he he had an electric machine and told people he had an electric machine, but that was the only thing that he said he had. And we, I think maybe more what you mean when you say machinery, like he didn't have any cranes, he didn't have any like trucks, he didn't right. have like big machinery he did have a couple things that we think are like small machinery of some kind that he also built though that he also built yeah uh everything he was building was from automotive dumps like Mm. car salvage locations he would go because he didn't have a ton of money he was a latvian you know immigrant who he allegedly arrived with literally zero dollars yeah 
and I think probably sacked some money away from uh, his work in the Northwest. We do know that the original plot of land in uh, or in what is now Florida City was a gift to him by mm-hmm. a family that he was staying with in the area. And that family claimed he had no money when they took him in. Okay. So whether he got to Florida with money and then spent it or lost it or something... Um, or arrived in Florida with none. Word. By the time he landed in Florida City, he had no money. So maybe and he, he also was, had tuberculosis. And he also had tuberculosis. He's a frail little man. Mm. So it's just straight up like salvaging everything that he used to start doing this project. So with that thousand tons of limestone that he quarried, he started building a lot of different types of structures. He built a small house i guess you could call it yep he built um a telescope yep he built uh a huge rotating gate so it's like a huge slab of limestone on a center um like pillar yep that rotates uh within in like a doorway and within like a quarter of an inch of the walls of that doorway. So it's a super tight fit. Yep. And it was well balanced enough and uh, smooth enough that you could rotate this gate by pushing with like very minimal force. Like one person with a finger or two could push this thing open or closed. There's video uh, that exists of, this is old video from like the 80s, but um, there's video of a small child just like walking and pushing this door this door that weighs nine tons. Nine tons. It was uh, it was perfectly balanced on the wheel bearings of a 1918 Ford truck. Amazing. Um, with underneath the bottom bearing was uh, a, a rock, a Frisbee-sized stone that it was balanced on. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the extent of the mechanics to this thing. There was a cross beam across the top as well. So you can imagine well, there was it. A, there was something. He drilled a hole somehow through the center of it because it was attached to, or was it was rotating around something. It was, yeah. The, so the bearings had an axle. Yeah. Yeah. So they drilled a hole. As far as I understand it, they drilled a hole all the way through and put they the wheel. one man who was five he, foot six and weighed a hundred pounds. Yes. Yeah. And had bearings on both sides and erected it in such a way that it was so so well balanced that yes it it just turned perfectly in circles he also built um a couple of rocking chairs that weigh thousands of pounds and uh this is all the stuff they built is out of either a single slab like these rocking chairs are built out of one slab of limestone yep or in the case of um some of the more complex structures like the the dwelling that he actually lived in he's using multiple slabs of limestone held together just by their own weight. Yeah, just There's gravity. no mortar. There's no... They're not affixed to each other in any way. He's yeah. just using their own weight and gravity. The only... Yeah, the only thing that's helping potentially keep them together is there There are beams in the home structure with, like, a floor because it's two floors high. Mm. So you could maybe make an argument that those are somewhat structural, but outside of that, there isn't, like, mortar or, like you know, concrete that he poured in between the pieces, keeping them sort of affixed to each other. He also built uh, an underground structure that could be accessed by descending down a 
spiral stone staircase mm-hmm. that was also carved out of a single piece of limestone. Um, it was and, his well. Well, he had a well, and he also had an underground like food storage area because it would. Wasn't it the same space though? Like you uh, walk down the I'm stairs, sure. and then the way that the, from the pictures I saw, the way that I understood it was when you walk down the stairs, there was like a little carved doorway, and that's where the water came in from. Okay. But then inside that doorway to the left, there was like shelving where he could like put he could shelve like uh, perishable shit because it obviously if you're underground and it's wet, it's colder, and in the or more yeah, southern and, Florida, and a more consistent temperature, Miami heat, you need that. Um. He built a pressure cooker. Did you see photos of that or video of that? Yeah. <laughs> you sound unimpressed. Well, the, in the, so in the museum, so I guess just to back up or maybe to give like some higher, some more higher arching information, Ed's Coral Castle that we're talking about right now has been converted into a, um, like a tourist Sort yeah, of museum it, at this point. It it's is on open the, to the public now. Yeah, it's on the list of um, heritage sites in the United States. Some people call it the Eighth Wonder. Um, the they call it the Barbecue Pit on his like the museum itself does. Mm-hmm. Whoever owns it now. And I saw a really interesting video where a guy dissected it and basically said so. To describe this thing, it's got a layer of this oolite limestone as a base. It's got four big limestone pillars on each corner of that base with gaps in between them. So it's got like an open sort of cross section in the middle. And then there's another square piece that fits directly on top of that. And then a hole drilled through the top piece to let out through the middle. And then there's also a hole that goes down and a pipe that goes out the side. Okay. Does that make sense? So there's like one full pipe down the middle and there's access from all four sides of it. And then there's a pipe that comes out the bottom side of it. Okay. And this guy was basically like, that's not a barbecue. That's a blacksmith's forge. If you put a Mm. fan on that bottom side, that's exactly what blacksmith forges do is they blow hella air under the bottom of that fire to create super duper hot flames so that you can forge stuff. Hmm. And I was like, that makes way more sense. If you're talking about a guy who's basically, I mean, pretty familiar with tools. He's familiar with potentially making your own tools. He doesn't have money to buy tools to be doing the type of work that he's doing. Mm -hmm. It makes way more sense that he was superheating metal and shaping it to his own needs for building this fucking incredible structure that he was building. Hmm. Cause I just, that does, yeah, that does seem to have a lot more applications and like from all accounts, this dude rarely ate. Yeah. And, and also ate like two things and right. eventually died of like amongst other things, malnutrition. malnutrition. Right. And also in the residence port portion of the Coral Castle, which is that, that two leveled thing that we were talking about in the upper level, there's a kerosene stove in it. Oh, well then that, yeah, that makes way more sense. So if he was already cooking on a kerosene stove, he didn't need to build a 20 giant pressure cooker barbecue. uh, Yeah. Made out of rock. Like, and of course, you know, if you use rock, like you can superheat the shit out of rock and it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you superheat the shit out of like a thin, you know, metal, uh, grill or whatever you might have problems right so 
anyway, I just, I loved that, that tidbit of being like, you know, well, we think it's his barbecue pit. And this guy's like, it's a fucking blacksmith's forge. And everything about that makes way more sense yeah. than the alternative. And, and for what it's worth, the purposes of all of this stuff are not documented by anything. Like we don't have documentation from Leeds calling himself saying, and this is what I use this for. Come over here and look at my such and such. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it is all sort of conjecture. Yeah. Yeah, we have very uh, very little documentation of anything that he was doing. And not he, he wrote some stuff. Did you read through any of it? So... Yes. There's an interesting <laughs> angle to the he wrote some stuff angle as well. Okay. Which well, we can either get to now or we can get to later. Have we covered everything that we need to cover about like what this coral castle actually is? Because it's like an assemblage of many, many individual things yeah. that is referred to as coral castle. So okay. na- the name is a little bit uh, deceiving. It, I mean, it is and it isn't like it's it's a walled off structure. So everything that we're kind of talking about lives inside of like the four walls of this structure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just tack on a couple more details from everything that you said. Uh, worth noting, there are hundreds of these uh, individual limestone pieces that make up the whole thing. Um, the smaller rocks weigh about five tons. The largest... A uh, piece of limestone on the property, uh, referred to as the Kingstone, weighs thirty tons. Uh, it is, it is roughly eight feet tall. No, that's not right. Eight, uh, fifteen feet tall is the thirty-ton one. Okay, and then there are other monol- two monoliths that are roughly twenty-five feet tall. Yeah, because and but those are created by putting those. King stones on top of the eight foot wall stones that he was quarrying. So that's how you get there. They're not a single piece. No, not the, not the, not the total. Well, one of them is the other one. Isn't the tallest one is an eight foot piece with a, like I I'm doing my math wrong, but like 15 feet on top of it. And then the other one I think is like two pieces as well. Okay. Um, the uh, the Kingstone also has a set of like angular geometric stones on top of it that apparently was referred to as the crown. That's why they called it the Kingstone. Um, a couple other things that are there. There's a there's a heart table mm-hmm. in the center of the place. A lot of this is uh, the way the story goes. It was that Ed was essentially continuing to try to woo his. Uh, potential Latvian bride to come live who, with him. Who may or may not exist. Who may or may not exist. Um, so the dining table, or one of the dining tables, there's actually one big dining table with limestone chairs all around it. It's like a 14-chair like limestone dining table set up inside of it. Um, there's another one that's a heart table with like flowers that were planted in the center of the heart table. But it's large and very heart-shaped. Um and then there's another element of it that is there's a sundial in the middle. Did you mm-hmm. see the sundial? Yeah, um, a pretty accurate one, actually. A really accurate one. I saw some of the some of the video of people like holding up their phones and showing like the time it was and the time that the sundial set. Like within a couple minutes. Within a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, and then they ha- they have what's called like the planetary corner or the planet corner, where he actually carved 
limestone facsimiles of planets and mounted them mm. along the top wall. So one is like a giant crescent. One is a smaller crescent. There's one that looks a lot like Saturn. It has like wide rings around it. Um, again, the whole thing made of 3 million pounds of limestone. Probably also worth noting that he did this over the course of like 25 to 30 years. Yep. So very impressive, obviously, in terms of like quarrying, moving, building, designing all this stuff. Right. But also this didn't happen in a month. He took more, the majority of his life was spent building these structures. Right. I um I did the math just because I was curious. If you if you divide the number I saw was 28 years to do the whole thing. Okay. So if you take 1,100 tons of stone and you divide it by the 28 years, it means he was cutting, transporting, and placing roughly 40 tons of stone per year, which is a lot, except you also have to remember that the average weight of one of the stone pieces in this place was 15 tons. Now that's still a massive fucking stone to move as an individual. But he's only doing it like three times a year? About one every four months. Yeah. So again, like all those things are worth kind of keeping in mind with the context. Um the one one more detail about the the park or castle or or rock gate itself. Um, did we, did we say it was originally called Rockgate? That's what he called it. And it got renamed to Coral Castle later. We did not, but okay. that is, that is correct. Um, so Rockgate, the swinging gate that we, we mentioned earlier. Um, I thought one very interesting fact about the gate itself was that in 1986, the bearing finally broke on mm -hmm. the door, which makes sense. You're spinning nine tons of rock on right. a Ford <laughs> fucking for axle for some years, 30 yeah. years. Um, and so they called, the Coral Castle owners, called the University of Florida and asked them to send an engineering crew to basically come check it out, see if there was anything they could do to fix it or mm -hmm. just assess the situation. Like, what the, what the fuck do we do with this fucked up door now? Yeah. And they brought in a 20-ton crane and a construction crew to remove it, examine it, and reset it, which is actually when they found the Frisbee stone at the base for the first time. Um, the story goes that the the stone from the base they sent to the University of Florida Geology Department to be like, what is this? Because it wasn't the same limestone as everything else. And that um, the U of Florida Geology Department couldn't figure out what the stone was. It was, hmm. it, they compared it to like hundreds of different rock samples and they couldn't figure out what it was, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. And then also uh, the construction crew tried to remedy the bearings and put this thing back together, and they did, but it never swung as well as it did when it was originally functional. It's had to be replaced again since then, right? And now it doesn't work at all. Oh, I thought it was done a second time in like 05 or 06. Yes, and then I think it broke again, and now it doesn't even turn. And Got they it. just were like, Got it. all right, if we have to replace this every 10 years, like we should probably not. Yeah just keep doing this. But I think it's interesting that the original time it broke in 86, 20 years later, it broke again after having a series of like engineer, like a true engineering team trying to put it back together. And his version of it worked for 50, 60 years 
Yeah, well, on I mean, its he, own. he died in 51, so the last time he could have possibly touched it was 25 years before, 35 years before it broke. Right, and it was one of the first things, because there's like old footage of people actually spinning the, you know, the right. rock door. So I just thought that was interesting that he he did it so well and so specifically in such a way that it was impossible to reproduce with modern technology. Yeah. I mean, and that really gets to, I guess, maybe the next part of this conversation, which is like, how the fuck did any of this actually happen? We'll be right back after this week's <laughs> shout outs. <laughs> we actually remembered for once. Look at us. Yeah. I don't want to edit this. You, you, you start. I'm a, Where's my shout outs music? I'll play some music. Hold on. All right. Jeez. I need it. I need it. So needy. Here you go. <laughs> hey. Oh, that's the intro music. I can't play that one again. <laughs> here, here's, here's some shout out music. This week's shout out comes from Dave. Everybody, if you want to have a shout out like Dave, you can go to shop.whatifpodcast.com or uh, or you can also go to whatifpodcast.com slash shout outs. And uh, for 50 bucks, we'll read a little bit of anything on the show. Dave almost, says almost anything. Almost anything. Dave says, hey, everyone, it's Dave again. <laughs> Let me guess. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Let me guess. You are a bit annoyed with how Game of Thrones looks like it's ending? Maybe you'd like a simple one-season show that ends well? Something with flawed characters that have great chemistry and quick wit? Well, please check out Terriers. It premiered nine years ago on FX and was canceled after a perfect 13-episode season. Starring Do- Donald Donal Logue. And Michael Raymond James. I've yeah. now dropped $100 on telling you about Terriers. So trust me when I say it's worth your time and money. Now, I have to read the stage direction because it's funny enough. It says, <laughs> in in uh, in parenthetical asterisks, have Ryan lean into the mic. Now, guys, when I, when I do this show, I'm up on the mic at all times because that's good mic etiquette. So I kind of just have to like whisper like I'm even closer and say... We'll cut the music so it's even more dramatic. Look, I got the whole thing on my Google Drive. And if you tweet me at me, at Taggard underscore McStone, that's T-A-G-A-R-D underscore McStone, I'll send you a link to view the episodes and save you the money. We don't endorse that type of behavior. Not in the least. But that's the thing that Dave wants you to know about his life and the things that he does with his free time. All right. That's this week's shout out. Let's get back to what the fuck's happening in Florida. All right. What the fuck is happening in Florida and how did a hundred pound frail little hermit of a man move millions of pounds of stone? Five foot three. Six. Six. A hundred pounds. Yep. And tuberculosis to boot. Mm-hmm. And he's out here. Taken 30 ton stones out of the ground. Can we, can we start with the quarrying part? Because that's maybe the most confusing aspect of this to me. Or like the, and, and it probably has more to do with my understanding of quarrying than anything else. But do we have any idea how he was even getting this stone out of the earth, much less moving it? So, like, how do you cut and remove 30 ton stones from the earth by yourself? Yeah. So there's, there's a couple additional details that we didn't share yet that I think are important. One, the rumors had it that Ed would only work on his quarrying and moving at night. So he only worked from okay. midnight to 6 a.m. 
Uh, he also did it in secret so he wouldn't allow people to watch him. He erected the walls of the castle first and then did everything internally second. And if people came and tried to like sneak and see him working, he would tell them that he was essentially going to stop working until they left. There are also some um, spooky, weird, bordering on paranormal aspects to this part of the story. Yes. Um, or alleged aspects. Uh, one of them being that People claimed Ed could had a way of sensing people watching yes. or attempting to watch before he should have been able to know that someone was watching or that he would stop working before someone would arrive and cover up his shit and people would come and he would be awake and like ready, but he would be not working and be like, you have to leave before I start. Or just wait until people would leave to begin working again. Yep. Because when you're working on a 28 year project, you know, you can fudge your hours here and there. (laughs) Yes. It also, just one more thing about that. Um, there are undocumented, but reports, uh, hearsay, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Allegedly, some people who did get a glimpse of him watch or building from time to time claimed that he was essentially levitating stones. A couple kids said that it looked like they could see stones moving like hydrogen balloons. Yes. Which I could not find a source for that quote. I couldn't either. There's another one. But it's floating around out there. For sure. Like a hydrogen balloon. Unintended. There's another one of those undocumented, but stories that add to the intrigue of this story, which is um, the story of when he originally moved things from Florida City to Homestead, which was that he hired... Real quick, I don't know if we made that clear enough earlier uh i feel like we kind of skated over that the move he built all most most i think most of this stuff in florida city and then disassembled it moved it and reassembled it 10 miles north yes also apparently without machinery except for the actual transportation process which was done on the flatbed trucks like a couple stones at a time yep yeah and one of the stories goes that uh, one of the drivers said, like, hey, I'm here to load the truck up. And he's like, yeah, cool. Come back in the morning and it'll be loaded. And the guy was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Okay. And he did come back and the truck was loaded. And he was like, okay, I'm just going to take this shit. But there are versions of that story, which are, I'm sure, exaggerations. Yeah. But versions of it that are, like, uh, a much shorter amount of time down to, like, Go around or like turn around for a minute or go around the corner. Yeah. And so, right. All of this, none of this is documented. It's all like 15th hand word of mouth hearsay telephone ass stuff. But I don't know. For for whatever it's worth, there are some like spooky, paranormal, ancient wisdom angles to this story. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, the I mean I guess it's it's time to we might as well start talking about it going back to some of the writing stuff when you said did you write did you read any of the stuff he wrote about like the so he he put out a pamphlet about magnetism yes amongst others amongst others uh, including like, I, would, I would recommend skipping the others yes I, I started reading his political one today Oop. not 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 great mm. let's let's just skip it entirely in addition to trying to uh, marry teenagers Uh-oh. 
Ed was a just raging racist Uh-oh. and xenophobe. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Oh, yep. Well, story's tainted forever. <laughs> um, no, but the 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 interesting part about the I think what's the what's the magnet one called again? It's called like magnetism. Magnetic current is mm-hmm. the name of it. There are people who suggest that Ed Leedskalnin did not write Magnetic Current. Okay. That Magnetic Current was written by someone else or paid to be written by someone else by the owners of the Coral Castle who took ownership of it after Ed died as a way to create intrigue. Sure. About how this thing was created. In fact, there are people who believe that all of the stories about hydrogen floating blocks and this pamphlet about magnetic current and all of these things are all things created by the people who took ownership of this. So, so Ed, Ed died in 51. He did. Uh, a relative of his took ownership for a while and it eventually was sold for... Like, like 150, 175, yeah. yeah, to um, like Coral Castle LLC or something who now owns and maintains it. Right. And, and it was that sold happened in, in the, like the late 80s or something. Yeah, mid, mid late 80s, like yeah. 85 or something like that. And so no one really knows when Ed's literature came to be a part of the castle's, you know, lore. Lore. And so some people say, well, is all of that portion of this a creation of the people who owned it to just draw more attention to it, make it seem more mysterious and intriguing and want to go see it? Because Ed didn't really, he never got rich off of it or anything. No, not in the least. He had a, a rock with a hole in it that said 10 cents and asked for if people did want to come look around to please give him a dime. Yep. Um... But that seemed more out of like, if you're going to wander around on my property, at least give me a little money to maintain it. Yep. To undo whatever you do when you're wandering around. Right. And um, later, I think he started charging 25 cents, but like, it wasn't even mandatory. He said right. that if you didn't it have money, you could just anyway. come. Yeah. And when he died, he had like three grand to his name. Right. So. Which I guess in 1951 was something, but it's not like, you know. Yeah. He wasn't like living large. So it would make sense that some of these elements of the lore and mythology would have come out when this became a business, so to speak. Right. Or not so to speak, when it became a business. Yep. Um, because for the first time there was a incentive to publicize and monetize this thing. For sure. And to get people to travel out of their way potentially yeah. to come see. I mean, it's this now a thing. tourist destination for sure. Yep. Um, but there also is the question to be answered: How did he do it? Yeah. And yes, I think we can start with the coring portion of things. So when you said no machinery, the thing that I wanted to point out was, I can't remember if we said this detail or not, but in in the residence portion of the Coral Castle, there's a I don't know what you'd call it. It's like a tool wall, almost like a tool shed wall. Okay. 
that highlights all of the tools that were left on the property after he passed away. Um, cause he left unexpectedly when he was feeling ill, he just apparently put a sign up in front of the place that said going to the hospital and, and then, like, and then he died <laughs> and then he died at the hospital. So he didn't like prepare his property before he passed away. Right. It was how he left it. Yes. So there are all these pegs and shelves with all these different, um, chunks of metal, pieces of metal, rotors, chains, hooks, levers bottles bottles wrapped in wire bottles wrapped in wire he was doing some weird electrical shit too it appeared he was for sure um there are electromagnetism shit possibly there are only a couple different um photos or like videos of him working but uh we see these huge wooden tripods with like chains and i think they call them come-alongs or pull-alongs. i think they're like those ratcheting things you see people use on trucks a lot with like straps to get them to be there's just like tiny ratchets that tighten things yeah um and then like at the top of the tripods are these black boxes with wire coming down from them so there's all this kind of like shit that is left over from his construction of it that's in the space and a lot of people online have tried to use the photos or you know actual visuals from like going there and visiting to try to deduce what methods he was using to accomplish what he accomplished. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting ones I saw was did you see there's like a 30 minute documentary online of a guy who's an engineer who said like this is the engineering solution to how he did this stuff? No, I didn't see that one. It's really interesting. It's a guy who's like, "Hey, I'm an engineer. I'm fascinated by how he did this." And so this guy like straight up tried to recreate how it might have happened. Which aspects, the quarrying or the building or all of it? All of it. Okay. And he's way smarter than I am. So I'm going to say a lot of real dumb stuff right now that. Those two are fucking dumb. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm going to say a lot of dumb stuff, but I'm going to try to put in layman's terms as much as possible what he thinks happened because it's what I think happened. Okay. And then. If you have theories about aliens or or ley lines or got a couple magnetic yeah, yeah. theories, uh, we can go. We can push the envelope down there. Um, this guy's theory is essentially, and I think this is cool. Oolite limestone is not a super resilient rock, like we talked about. If you hit it with a mallet, it will it will break. Like you can break chunks off. Mm-hmm. His theory is. There's a little rotary thing that's up in the... Uh, I'm talking about like the spoked wheel. Yeah, it's got 16 clicks on it. Mm. Um, his theory is essentially that he was using some sort of battery power to power an electromagnetic rotary that he was leaving overnight that was essentially just a rotor that pushed back and forth by about three to four inches. But it was enough where if you had a heavy blade, some people think he actually may have used like a metal slab that's used as like a door. If you had it attached to that and it just pulled that back and forth a couple inches over and over again, you could essentially let that just go overnight Mm. and slowly grate against limestone. And maybe he was doing it at night because when people were around during the day, they would hear that he was using this sort of scraping technique to scrape two and three and four and five feet down into the limestone with this sort of rotary machine. Hmm. 
And then on top of that, he's talking about using theories of um, like rock splitting where you actually don't have to go that far. Sometimes you can go like you can go down and then use multiple different metal pegs. And if you apply pressure to each metal peg, basically you pound them in succession down the line. You can actually get things to split very evenly down deeper into the rock than you've even cut into it. Okay. Does that make sense? Sort of. So like if you get a block out and you want to cut this giant, say you pulled out a 10 foot block and you want to cut it into two, five foot blocks. How, how are you getting it out initially though? That's so I'm still having a hard time with that. Agreed. I also don't understand that either because well, fr- from what I get with quarrying, you quarry from the side always. So you have to have like a place to go into it with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause obviously if it's, if you just cut, a deep rectangle, there's no way to get under it and separate the rocks. So you have right. to come at it from the side. Cause then you can go from the top, the sides and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I don't entirely understand, but the way I, the way I get it is with two tripods with two come alongs, they thought he could essentially ratchet this thing up onto some moving mechanism. Now, you can go all the way into like the ancient Egypt stuff with which rolling. he claims is he, there is some quotes from Ed saying like, I know how the pyramids were, were built and I'm using the same technique. Something to, right. I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect. Yep. No, totally. Um, Rolling log stuff, you know, yeah. like people have talked about if you have a bunch of cylindrical logs, you can, if you get it up high enough, he could potentially have swung it over onto a set of rolling logs, pushed mm-hmm. it. Um, I mean, that's like my, that's my best grasp of kind of what this guy was talking about was if you have these automated sort of rotary machines doing all the cutting for you, you don't have to be strong and be just sitting there with a fucking, you know, two man saw all day long by yourself Mm -hmm. cutting into stone. You just let time and a small electrical powered, you know, electromagnetic powered rotary machine do this little back and forth cut for you day in and day out. I mean, you let that go for a month and four or different years cuts, at a time, yeah. years at a time, you know, you, you, you can start to see how, all right, he's only doing three of these a year. Like maybe that is how he does it. The lifting shit. I don't really understand. Cause I don't know how you lift 30 tons as an individual. I just don't, I don't get that. Yeah. There's, I came across, um, there's a gentleman who's named Wally Wallington. I I saw some Wally Wallington. Yeah, Wally Wallington's an interesting cat. Uh, He is attempting to. He's he's more interested in Stonehenge and how Stonehenge was was built. Yes, and he's trying to recreate elements of Stonehenge using only technology that would have been available at the time. Yes. Um, He, however, is not quarrying stone. He's using concrete. Yeah, poured concrete. Uh, like pillars and blocks, essentially, but of similar size and weight to quarried stone. Yep. Um, or the stone that was used at Stonehenge. And I mean, he he was able to by himself erect a thirty-ton like concrete slab. Yep. And the way he's doing it is essentially he's got a a fulcrum that is. Uh, I don't know how he's doing this for the first board, but he's essentially just got a, a two by four yep. that he's putting underneath this slab of concrete and then rocking it back and forth. And as it tips to each side, inserting another board on one side, tipping it, inserting a board on the other side, tipping it. Yep. And very slowly you get two inches at a time, higher and higher. You raise this thing up until it's at a point and where you can then tip it vertically. vertically. Yep. 
Um, and he's he's using just his own body weight and then like weights, buckets of dirt and water and yeah. stuff to just weight one side to tip it, weight the other side to tip it. Right. Um, and he's, I mean, he's moved some enormous objects and there's video of him doing it entirely by himself. And he's yeah. not like, he looks like he's probably in his fifties. He doesn't look like he's in very good shape. He's yeah. just like, he's a former construction worker. Just a guy. Yeah. Um, and there's an amazing video of him spinning a pole barn by himself. Yeah. Um, cause one of the, one of the issues is like, okay, you get this rock out of the ground you're not building at the same location that you're quarrying the rock. You have to move it somewhere. Right. And the method that he uses is to essentially put two very small stones underneath whatever he's trying to move. Yep. And then a, uh, like a long board across the top affixed to the, the piece that he's trying to move. Yep. And is just spinning it. Yep. And because the stones are offset, you're actually spinning, you're moving it in a line, um, each rotation by whatever the distance is between those two stones. Yep. So every rotation, it's moving a few inches. Right. And doing this over and over again, he moved a, I don't know, a several ton slab, like 300 feet or something by himself. Yep. Um, and he moved an entire pole barn. In the same method. Yeah, using... a. I don't know what he was putting under it. I'm assuming not two rocks, but something yes. underneath it um, and was able to move an entire structure like, again, a couple hundred feet by himself. Right. So that gets at some of it. I mean, it's it's still not as complex as what Ed was doing in terms of the, there's no quarrying involved. No. And he's not building complex structures. He's just like erecting a slab, much like right. you see at Stonehenge. Right. He's either getting one piece upright or two pieces upright. And I, th there's not video of him laying something across because that obviously you can't use the same technique right. that you're using just to stand something up vertically. But like Ed made us like a, a house. Right. That's a lot more complex than just standing a slab of stone upright. Totally. And he quarried all of that stone. Right. Uh, we're assuming or allegedly by himself. Right. So it explains some of it, but it also for me leaves a lot of it unexplained. Because uh, the examples I've seen with people trying to recreate the, the tripod method, it's essentially like three telephone pole type beams. Yep. Um vertically and then meeting at a point so you yep. have a, a tripod and people who have tried to recreate this have like either um chains or like and or ropes attached to these beams and they're using using like a ratcheting system of some kind to you can like with one person's uh just own body you can lift a like multi-ton object like right. there's a video that i watched today of uh, an older guy, he's probably in his 60s, lifting a like 20 ton tractor or something, just using like a ratcheting system. And a ratcheting system. Yep. But he gets it like two inches off the ground. Right. Because you have a height limit. Like you can't lift something higher than the top of this tripod. Right. So, and some of these, you know, some of these stones are, well, with the, the, the dwelling at least like 
I don't know. It's at least like 20 feet high or something. Definitely. I mean, especially. And he's stacking stones and like they, they're they placed precisely enough that there are no gaps between them. That angular stone that's on top of the king's, mm-hmm. uh, the kingstone is. Yeah, 25 feet in the air or something. Yeah, easily. So. And, again, it's like, it like, and it's like five tons. So he would have had to, he would have had to lift that thing. Well, first of all, you need, you need a tripod whose center point at the top is well above 25 feet in the 30 if to 40 foot range, that using, if that's yeah, a method yeah. that he's using. And then you need to ratchet it up a really, really long time. And you need to do it in such a way with such straps or ropes or chains that won't break under the consistent pressure of having that many tons of weight on And it. also in a way that no one is seeing you do it. Right. And like, I don't, I mean, I, I don't buy into with this one, like, the paranormal aspects of it or that, the, that like, he was like a magical magnetic floating device. Yeah. Dude. Or there's, you know, there's a bunch of stuff out there about like ley lines and magnetic vortexes yeah. and energy, blah, blah, blah stuff. And like mag earth's magnetic field and all this stuff. Yeah. And that like the location they built on a specific location because there was some sort of magnetic power of the stone there. Yeah. Which is dumb because he moved this whole thing. To right. a different location and right. did it again. Um, but it, there is like, there's something to be said for almost a hundred years later. No one can quite explain how he did it. And no one has been like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. I'll do it again. I right. can do it. People have demonstrated like small pieces or, of what we're thinking could have been his process. Right. But no one has done what he did and now it's been a hundred years since he started working on this thing right and 70 years since he stopped working on this thing like that to me is interesting and totally. I, I more so in like a this dude was thinking in a way that other people are not thinking right um then like a you know he was levitating stones with uh, ancient magnetism right something something but I don't know. It's uh, in a way like more impressive to me than some of the other stone monument stuff just because of the the complexity of it. Yes. And in a way, the recency of it. Yeah. I mean, because like we should, we should be able to figure out what he did. Absolutely. He was doing this in the forties and into the fifties. Like, it's not like we have, I I think part of the issue with stuff like Stonehenge is like, we have no record of any of it. Mm Mm-hmm. People knew he was doing this for 30 years. Right. And you could just go show up. Right. And and nothing lasted from like the documentation of what happened. Right. There was somebody The fact that there wasn't really much documentation is interesting on its own. Right. Which I for mean for a project that took almost 30 years. Right. Which which I mean could potentially be explained somewhat by the fact that he only worked at night, but like I'm not saying it's unexplainable. I'm just saying like it's that's interesting. No, absolutely. But like, I agree, especially if you're talking about, you've got multiple 20 and 30 foot tall tripods. Like the walls weren't 20 and 30 feet tall. They're like eight, right? Yeah. You'd, you'd be able to see that stuff, especially if there was a stone that was getting raised up and to those heights from that. To be fair, we do have a couple photos and like a shortish grainy ish video, video yeah. that show what appear to be these tripod structures contraptions yes, whatever for sure um but none of them have like 
a giant rock suspended in the air. No, no. So it's almost more perplexing in a way to know that like, okay, that for sure was part of his process, but it also doesn't account for all of what was going on there. No, it definitely doesn't. One of the things that I, you know, I don't buy into the the ley line stuff for the, like the earth's magnetic field stuff, but I do find it interesting that a lot of rock has natural magnetic properties. And there were a lot of people who were saying like, in the same way that we found out that maglev trains are a super efficient and easy way to transport something because there's no friction and mm-hmm. you can actually combat the effects of gravity by just using magnets. Like, is it possible that he could have figured some sort of electromagnetic way of levitating these things? I don't think that's likely, but I think it's interesting. Yes, that does seem possible to me, but also it seems like the engineers who design magnetic levitating trains should be able to then explain how an old man was moving rocks. Right. And also how like it, that can't be more complex than what we're doing. And right? how for sure. And also how has that then not made its way into our construction techniques as a society? If that's a thing that he was doing and they have the techno technology possible to do. Well, I mean, that could be as easy as we don't have 30 years to, to construct things generally. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're not too. winning any construction contracts. If you give a 30 year turnaround. On yeah. It. Or they're like, uh, we don't need to levitate this with electromagnetism we because we have materials and yeah, and 40 and, people, not right. one person or whatever it might be. I think, I mean, and that, that sort of answers the, like, how do we not know more about, or could answer the, how do we not know more about <laughs> this? Like, it's not like we're throwing our best and brightest at the coral castle problem. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're the, throwing idiots like us at it. And there are hella people on YouTube from a thousand miles away. Right, right. (laughs) And there are hella people on YouTube being like, "All right, so I read magnetic current, and I'm trying to like recreate the blah 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 machine." And I'm look, you know, like there are hella people that are looking into those types of. And I read his political rant. Oh fuck! Now I hate the Japanese. (laughs) He's ruined everything for me, Ed. You've ruined everything. Um, one of the quotes that I saw that I found interesting, just from uh. Never read the YouTube comments, but it was in the YouTube comments of one of the videos I was watching about this whole thing. And it was a guy, uh, I'll just, his username is Big Rig Jim. Awesome. Hell yeah. Who says, I trust him already. I trust him already. Uh, Bear, you know this guy? (laughs) You know this guy, Bear? Uh, He says, quote, I've seen an old gold miner lift a rock the size of a VW bus using multiple chain come alongs and block and tackles. It's really not a. What the fuck is a block and tackle? I don't actually know. You said it convincingly, though. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> it's not. It's really not a big mystery. How it just, opulent are blocking tackles? <laughs> Very. Extremely. <laughs> it's really not a big mystery. It just takes a lot of sweat. I was at the Coral Castle last week. It's a very interesting piece of work, but they try to overhype the whole mystery of it. They tell you on the tour that nobody knows how he lifted these rocks, and then you go into the gift shop, and you can buy a book with pictures of him lifting the rocks. Okay. So... A, I would love to know what that book is. Oh, hey, Florida listeners. Okay, we're just kidding. We love your state. It's the best. <laughs> now that we need your help. We need your help. I apologize for everything. Uh, No, but seriously, if somebody could actually go find that book, I would 100% pay. I'm sure we have listeners who have been to this place. Do you think so? Yeah. All right. Well, I hope we get hella emails and voicemails this week to talk about it because I'm, I'm legitimately curious. This is also a listener request topic. Oh, word? Mm-hmm. Did we shout out the listener who requested it? Uh, 
No. Okay. <laughs> you can right. go look at Instagram. Uh, I, I put up a uh, what should we talk about question on Instagram yesterday, and we got like 50, 11 responses. Oh, that's tight. I got a whole bunch of new new topics for I us. I turned and, off my and, Instagram notifications while I was out of town, so mm, I did not see any of that. Including some stuff for the Patreon today about a talking stove. Dope. Thank you, Rob. Let's let's do that. Um, but but I do like I want to know how much of this because okay, so I genuinely believe that there is a possibility that a guy who comes from a family of stonemasons and spent a lot of time taking down trees by hand in the northwest created a palace as an ode to a lost lover using just his knowledge and the tools that he had at his disposal. I believe that's fully possible, but I want to know where all of this additional surrounding shit comes from. Does it come from the castle? The, like the mystery of it. Yeah. Like, like this guy on YouTube is like, it's not that weird. It just takes some sweat, but you can totally do it. But then you can also, also no one else has ever done it as far as we know. Exactly. But then, this specific thing and you can also watch fucking youtube videos of like other construction workers who are like there's no fucking way there's literally no fucking way that you could do this by hand as an individual and again that leaves out other aspects of what he would have had to do like that doesn't big rig jim doesn't address like well how the fuck did he get out of the ground in the first place right or how did he put the the five ton rock on top of the eight or five ton rock on top of the eight ton rock on top of the 13 ton rock. Like, and then how did he, how did he get the fucking, how did he get the, um, uh, 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 I'm spacing the name of it. What the fuck is it? Sundial. How did he get the sundial so accurate? How did he get the telescope so accurate? Like, uh, the telescope is, Sauce? Did, did you see the, the telescope? Telescope is being the word telescope is being extremely generous. Well, it's not a telescope. It's, a, it's two holes in a in two rocks that are aligned with Polaris. Yeah, it's a it's a North Star tracker to track the seasons. It's not actually I mean, a telescope. You and I could do that. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I feel confident I could do that if the rocks were already there. Uh, I could find a North Star and be like, drill a hole so we can see that star. Okay, and wait until December twenty first to do it. I'm just saying, I think. I think what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you're adding on layers of complexity yes, to yes. everything else that he is already doing. Yes. There are complexities to carving chairs and carving Saturn. And like, as far as we know, you know, he's lifting all these rocks and like, how many of them did he break? I mean, I guess we don't really know that he could have carved something and lifted it and broken it in the process. But like he had to quarry something. I mean, it's probably five feet, across that is this giant crescent carve out the crescent then lift the crescent place the crescent not have the crescent tip over or get destroyed in the process and we're talking about this like heavy but brittle oolite limestone like there's just layers and layers and layers of complexity to this thing that and a lot of the proposed explanations address like one or a few or some of these things but none of them really that i could find address all of them i agree the only can I can I offer one last uh, way way out there explanation? Only if I do my not fun one first, because mm. I have one final explanation that I think is not fun. All right, but I think it's possible. Okay, which is because we have so little documentation of how this thing was created. All we have really is the story that Ed did it by himself at night. Sure. So we don't actually have proof that no one was ever working there with him or that he didn't hire 
And there there are some people out there who claim to have worked with him. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting to me. And and that to me also would it, it I still think it's really incredible and impressive and like, you know, in some ways like it's kind of sweet that he's like trying to woo someone no no it is not 50 it's years 50 years it's later gross. to come uh, it's he's, not sweet she's not 16 forever ed, ed had some issues oh all right so you, you read more <laughs> of his issue stuff let's not paint him as being a sweet old man i thought it was like a romantic gesture but i didn't read his his terribleness his his lost love his and it's former, gonna do what she wants he said he wanted her to see all this as like a owed to her that she could come live in this coral castle and she would be like, all right, tight. I'm, I'm now I'm down 30 years later or whatever. Yikes. Anyway, that's a yikes for me, dog. The point I'm trying to make is I, I think, uh, I think there is a distinct possibility that because all we have is this story surrounding it, that there's a different way that it got created yeah, for sure that we just, it just got sort of pushed under the rug and shoved down. And now there's very little actual information about, anything which is what makes it a fun story totally but also like there is probably a relatively benign explanation for what was going on yeah and again it's still really impressive it's just that a hundred years later you could say a lot of things about how these blocks were put in place and a lot of people would be like i have no way of telling you that that's not true i can't prove that he didn't magnetically levitate things yeah (laughs) i can't prove that he did but i certainly can't prove that he didn't Uh, Would you like to hear a quote from Ray Ramirez, who is a Coral Castle researcher and tour guide? Fuck yes, I would. Why didn't we call him and have him on the show? I'm going to read this verbatim because it's more fun that way. Tight. Someone said that the Bermuda Triangle probably starts in Fort Lauderdale or Miami. You got to make sure that this is part of Miami. If you look from space, Florida is pretty small, so I'm pretty sure that this thing could be one leg of the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, Ray. <laughs> All right. I'm getting done on this one. Wow. I, I don't even know. Is that Do a, we know Ray's last name of uh, Ray's last jump fame? Because this sounds like he could have said it. I'm just saying, it's got to make it part of oh, the oh, oh, I'm going to do it. Dude. So I'm going to read that one more time just because. It, it's a lot, man. It's a lot in one hot take. S- someone said. It's. Right out of the gates. We're Phenom- phenomenal we're, we're start. Someone said that the Bermuda Triangle probably starts in Fort Lauderdale or Miami. Still of a sentence. Fantastic. You got to make sure that this is part of Miami. I don't know what that means. What? Also, what is part of Miami? I'm assuming he's referring to the Coral Castle in that it's like the nearest big city is Miami. Okay. It's like 25 miles south of Miami. If you look from space, Florida is pretty small. First of all, not relevant to anything he has said previous or anything that comes after it. No, I think he's trying to say that it, it, on a macro level, we're not that far from Miami, I think is what he's trying to say. Okay. It's a f- hell of a way to do it. And then he says, so I'm pretty sure that this could be one leg of the Bermuda Triangle. Also, even if that were true, what the fuck does that mean? And and what relevance does that have exactly. to anything? Exactly. Even if, if all of what you just sort of said is correct which it's obviously not 
It still doesn't mean anything. Shout out to all the paranormal fans who like want all of the paranormal things to overlap <laughs> in one thing. So it's like, it's like, yeah, man, he probably floated some blocks and I bet you Bigfoot helped him fucking lift them up there. Yep. And also, did you know we're in the Bermuda Triangle? And right also now? we're in the Bermuda Triangle and uh, the well under the ground is where all of the people who disappeared live now. It's the hollow earth, dog. How about, th- how about that? I'm Ray Ramirez. This has been your tour. <laughs> have, have a fantastic Holy rest of your day. Shit. Hey, you got please, it all figured out. Please buy a book. All right, buddy. All right, man. I think uh, I think that's going to do it for us. If you live in Florida or you've been here, we want to hear from you. Uh, even if neither of those things are true, we still want to hear from you. It's hi at whatifpodcast.com. You can send us an email there. Uh, our phone number is 612-246-4614. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we'll play some voicemails next week. We haven't played in any in a while. Um, also, uh, a couple quick things. We do an extra episode every single week. If you want that second episode every single week, it's only five bucks a month, and you can get it by going to patreon.com slash whatifpodcast. It's at What If Pod on all social media. Go join the Facebook group. Leave us an iTunes <laughs> review. Have a good week. We love you. 